Well, welcome everybody. My name is Marcus, campus pastor at the Rock Church Point Loma. How are you guys doing today? All right, all right. As by the faces in the crowd. I kid you not. Last service, I counted like four people that fell asleep. I'm going to chalk it up to the turkey. So uh, hopefully the tryptophan's are already out of your system. So I'll try to make sure you don't fall asleep. You guys doing good today? Hey, uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas time for me, I love, I love this time of the year. But I know spending time with family, which most of us do, sometimes is a bit stressful, right? Fortunately, I get, I get along really well with my family. But growing up, it wasn't always like that. I have an older brother who's five years older. I have an older sister who's three years older. My brother's name is Ricky. My sister's name is Memi. Memi's still what's Naomi. We call her Memi. She lives in San Diego. And, and I love her. I adore her. But growing up, we were having a three years difference. You can imagine. Who has siblings here? Anybody have siblings here? Okay, good. So we get along now. We love each other now. But growing up, it was a bit different. My sister used to drive me crazy and I would drive her crazy. You know, I drive mustaches on her, on her um, posters in her room. She, her number one thing with me, and I probably shouldn't say this, she would pinch my butt. <laughs> she would pinch my butt and I could not stand it. And I'd walk around and she'd pinch my butt and, you know, and year after year she did it and I was tired of it. I was tired of it. So I figured out, you know what, I'm going to put an end to this madness. And I'm going to get her back. And I'm going to get her back in front of all her friends. So we had a little pool party at our house at night. But we kind of had a ghetto pool. You know what I mean? We didn't have lights in it. We had like my parents would hold flashlights in the water. Right? And so my sister had her friends over for some party. And, and I was there swimming. And I go, you know what? Tonight is the night that I'm going to get my sister back. Because this battle has been going on too long. And I'm going to put an end to it. And so she had about five or six friends over. And I remember swimming in the pool. And it's nighttime. We're swimming around. And I'm underwater. And I'm like, yes. Now I'm going to get her back. And I see this body swim past me underwater. And I go, you know what? I'm going to pinch her butt. But it wasn't the little boop. It was like grab, like really grab it. And then I went with the twist. I went with the twist. Yes, I did. So I got the butt and I just, with the twist, and it just, it just gave it everything. I, years of frustration came out in that one pinch. And I come out of the water victoriously. And I hear screaming. And I look, oh, my goodness. That's not my sister. It was Norma. She came out screaming, who let your brother in here get him out of here so so that was a typical typical kind of battle between my sister and I growing up but I share that story to share that we are in a battle we were born on a battlefield you know what and the enemy the devil wants to trick us and he wants us to make us think that our battle is with one another can I hear amen or or or, or that our battles with the opposing uh, political party or, or with our battles with the government, or the battles with my wife or my kids. The battle that we fight, you guys, is a spiritual battle. And for us to have victory in that battle, we need power. Everybody say power. Everybody say power. The reason we need, you didn't say power. Say power. Thank you. The reason we need power is because we're in this battle. And if we don't have power, you guys, we are not going to win this battle. 
But this battle we have is different. Let me read a couple verses before we dive into it. 1 Peter 5a identifies who our adversary is. It says this. You don't have to turn there. It says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking for someone to devour. We have an enemy that's active. We have an enemy that studies you. We have an enemy that watches you, and he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking to devour you. It's a real-life battle and a real-life enemy. But it says this about a, or about a battle in Ephesians 6.12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. So our battle is in this spiritual realm. But once again, we have a tricky, tricky enemy that wants to make you believe that your battle is with your family. He wants you to believe that your battle is with some political party. He wants you to believe that your battle is against your peers. That's how the battle manifests itself. And take a look at what's going on in this nation, guys. It's crazy. They're trying to make the whites hate the blacks. They're trying to make the blacks hate the whites. They want to try to make the Latinos hate the blacks and side with the, side with the whites and vice versa. Me? I got white, Latino, and black blood. What am I supposed to do? That's why I'm always angry with myself. That's not our battle, you guys. That's not our battle. Our battle is a spiritual battle. And if the enemy twists the truth, he'll get us all focused with battling one another, with hating one another, with arguing one another, with protesting one another. When in reality, none of that's going to do any good. And my battle is not with you guys. My battle is against the enemy. And that's why since I have a real-life battle with a real-life enemy that wants to devour me, that's why I need power. Can I hear amen? amen? Today's message is called Power for the People. Say Power for the People. Say Power for the People. We need power if we are going to be successful in our battle. So the message today is set in the book of Joshua. And if you remember several weeks ago, and I'm going to set the tone for today, we, I was up here and I talked about Joshua. I talked about Joshua and the people of Israel at this time. So I'm going to reset the scene, okay? Moses led God's people out of Egypt. You guys following me? He led them out into the wilderness, and a trip that should have taken a couple months took 40 years. The reason the trip took 40 years is mostly because of their disobedience and because of their complaining. So now they're 40 years in the desert. Throughout the desert, even though they were in the desert, God provided everything for them. God provided the nutrients. He provided bread from heaven. And he took care of them in the desert for 40 years. But now they are on the edge of where they need to be. God promised them the land of Canaan. Every say Canaan. Canaan was a land known as the overflow with milk and honey. So I want to see the differences here. One, they're in the desert for 40 years. But God wants to take them to a place that overflows with milk and honey. And they're at the edge of it. 
And this is where we left off the story last time because they went in. Caleb sent two spies. Joshua sent in two spies to go spy out the land. They saw Rahab, which was a prostitute, but she took them in. She protected them. And Joshua said, we are going to protect you when we come and we destroy this city, Jericho. So now they need to cross over the, the, uh, the, the river, right, the Jordan River, to cross over there to get into the land of Jericho. Now, Jericho is a very interesting place. Jericho was a fortified, impenetrable city. The walls of Jericho were over 10 feet high and about 14 feet wide. This is just the walls of Jericho, okay? Now, this is people that have been living in the desert for 40 years. And they're going to go destroy this city. Now, within the walls of this city were little condos. That's where Rahab lived. So there's, there's dwellings within the walls of the city. Now, on top of that wall that's 10 feet high, 14 feet wide, is another wall about 35 feet high, protected. So it's layer upon layer of protection is what they had to do. So they cross over the River Jordan. But it was really cool because what they did Right? They took the Ark of the Covenant. Everybody say, Ark of the Covenant. Right? You guys seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, most of you guys? Right? That's what they're referring to. Right? So the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence and power of God. The Ark of the Covenant was about four feet wide, about two feet deep, about two feet, uh, two feet long. Okay? So four feet by two, by two feet, wooden ark, wooden chest covered in pure gold. Within it lied the Ten Commandments, and on top of it lied two cherubim, two these heavenly creatures facing each other with their heads down, representing uh, a fear and, 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 and power and respect of the Lord. Within it are the Ten Commandments. No one could touch this Ark of the Covenant. This Ark had four rings on every corner of it, which this pole slid through. Are you guys following me? And then the people could take that pole, lift up the ark, and march with the ark. Now it came time to stand before that river. God told them, go take this land, a land of milk and honey. God has for us as his children, I've got four children. The things that I want for my kids are good things. The things that I want for my kids are things to bless them. Even when I correct my kids, it's because I love them. Parents, are you following me? Right? They don't always understand, but that's the reason I correct my kids is because I love them. That's the reason I bless my kids is because I love them. Now me, follow this, if me as a fallible father wants to bless and love my kids so much, how much more does our heavenly father love me and my kids? See, he had a land prepared for them of milk and honey as opposed to the desert. God has so much waiting, so much goodness for his kids. So many things set aside. But so many of us stay stuck in our desert. And as opposed to crossing off that step, and they needed to take a step of faith to go to that land of milk and honey. If the land has milk, it has cows. In order for the cows to be healthy, there's got to be grass. In order for there to be grass, there has to be rain. If there's grass and there's rain and healthy cows, then there's other healthy vegetation. Are you guys following me? So this land's got it all. And there's a spot God wants to take you with your relationship with him. 
where it's the, the, the fruits of the Spirit, which is peace, love, joy, long-suffering, patience, all these wonderful things that God has for you. But you know what? The devil does not want you to cross into that land. He doesn't want to take you. He doesn't want you to take steps of faith. So here they are, having to take that step of faith and go, we've been in the desert 40 years. Now it's time for us to conquer the land that God has given us. That's where we're going to pick up the story right now. If you can turn to me to the book of Joshua chapter 4, verse 20. Joshua chapter 4, verse 20. It says this, and Joshua set up at Gilgal 12 stones. They had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he did, what he had done in the Red Sea when he dried it up before until we had crossed over. Listen to this verse, 24. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know. And that the hand of the Lord is powerful. Say powerful. Is powerful. Say powerful. The hand of the Lord is powerful so that you might always fear the Lord your God. This is what he instructed them. Look, you're going to cross this river, this deep tumultuous river. I'm going to dry it up. And you're going to cross it. You're going to cross it with your people, you're going to cross it with your warriors, and you're going to cross it following the Ark of the Covenant, which is my presence and my power, right? And when you cross it, what you're going to do is you're going to pick up 12 stones, one for each tribe. And people are going to ask you, what are these stones for? And when they ask you that, you're going to say this, it's when we needed a miracle and God answered. Because there's going to be times in your life when things are bleak. There's going to be times in life when times are tough. Can I hear amen? And we didn't even remember what are the great things that God has rescued us for. What are the stones and remembrance of your life? Do you have stones, figurative stones in your life where you can hold on to? So when those tough times come, right, and the enemy is lying to you and it just seems like things are bleak and you look back on your life and you go, God, I remember when. I remember when you saved me from my sin. I remember when you healed me from my sickness. God, I remember when you did that miracle in my life. My encouragement to you guys is, what are the stones of remembrance in your life? Because what the devil likes to do is let them happen and just kind of go, okay, whatever. But there needs to be moments in your life that you hold on to. Then when those hard times come, you go, you know, Lord... When people ask me about you, I'm going to point them about this time when you did an amazing, amazing miracle. He did this so all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful so that you might always fear the Lord. Let's go into Joshua chapter 5. We need power. Chapter 5, going to go into verse 13 and 15, says this. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or are you for our enemies? Listen to this reply. Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. 
Now Joshua fell, fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? So he sees the commander of the army of the Lord, which is what's called like a Christophany, which is basically a vision of Christ. You guys following me? And he asked him, who are you for? Are you for us or are you for our enemies? He said, neither. I am who I am. God is God. The important thing is to understand what God's will and to be on his side. Can I hear amen? It's not a God we can put in a box, right? And then we can, you know, go sick him, God, right? Go do this, God. I need this. I need some good Christmas. That's not who God is. God is the creator. He is omnipotent. And what's important for us is to know who God is and to be part of his will. The first point of today is this. There is power in God's presence. Everybody say, there is power in God's presence. Say, there is power in God's presence. You see, he experienced God right there. Right there he was in the presence of God. Now, I don't know about you guys, but there are times more Sundays than not when I come to church. And I'm like you guys, I come to church with burdens. I come to church with frustrations. I come to church with doubts and fears sometimes. It's hard. But when I walk through those doors and I hear that worship team worshiping the Lord, I can feel the presence of God. Can I hear amen? amen. Man, and it feels so good to be in his presence. And I can feel being in his presence, that power. I can feel my doubt slip away. I can feel my worry slip away. I can feel the power come into me by his very, very presence. And let's not take for granted what we have here, guys. Let's not take for granted being in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. There's nothing like it. Can I hear hey, amen? I get the, amen, amen. I get the pleasure to, to do chapels now and then for some of the NFL teams, right? I'm like third string. It's like the chaplain and Pastor Miles and then somebody else. And it's like, all right, where's the bench? Let's call Pastor Marcus, right? But even bench players get a little playing time now and then. So I got to do it for the uh, New England Patriots probably uh, four, or four or five years ago. And I was considering just going in there and praying against them. Um, <laughs> In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, of course, that wouldn't have been okay, I guess, as a pastor. But, but I went in, and I get, to, I get to do this here and there, and I know a lot of friends that are at the pro level. So they're just guys, you know, they're just guys, whatever. But this time was a little different. Now, I don't know if it happened like this, but this is what I remember. I was in the room hanging out, and then, like, everything slowed down. And then out of the corner of my eye, I saw this big, tall, handsome guy walk slowly into the room. And in my mind, his hair, I don't know if he had a fan, but his hair was blowing in the wind. But there was no wind. It's the hotel. And he's walking and the hair is blowing. He's looking around, right? And some music came on, like some cowboy music, right? It was Tom Brady. And maybe that's an exaggeration. But this is, his handsomeness wasn't exaggerated. He was very handsome. The hair blowing, he didn't have that. Here's the deal. You didn't have to know anything about football. You didn't have to know anything about the Patriots. You didn't have to know anything about sports. But when Tom Brady walked in the room, 
there was a different presence, right? You got a room full of 100 alpha males. And when he walked in the room, he was the alpha male. And I'm thinking, that's just Tom Brady. That's just the guy. What about us when God walks into the room? Amen. When we're singing his praises and we're calling upon him or we're down on our knees and God's presence is there. How cool is that? That who walks into the room is the king of kings and the Lord of lords right there to visit us. So Joshua experienced that. Joshua went in and, and heard now from the Lord. Let's pick up the story back at um, Joshua chapter 6 now. It says this right now, 1 through 4. Now Jericho was tightly shut up and because of the Israelites, no one went out and no one came in. The Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its frightening and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have your priests carry trumpets of rams, horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. So here's the deal. Now Joshua was consulting with God. Are you guys following me? He was having a conversation with God. He was connecting with God. My next point is that there is power in prayer. Everybody say there's power in prayer. There is power in God's presence. There is power in prayer. How did Joshua hear from the Lord? Because he was having a conversation with him. How is it that we can hear from God? How is it that we communicate with God? The way we communicate with God in a big way that he communicates with us is through prayer. The cool thing is, like... This isn't like just a story that happened long ago. God is still powerful. And guess what? God still answers prayers. He wants to hear from you. Remember, if you love your children, how much more does God love your children? Does your life have any power? Or is your spiritual life limp? Is it a series of Sundays to Sundays now and then? Or is it alive? Or is it real? Or is it tangible? Or when you're with people, do they know that you've been with Jesus? Well, let me tell you guys right now, God is alive. Let me tell you guys right now, God is real. And let me tell you right now, God still answers prayers. Can I hear amen? I'm going to call my son up. Diego, why don't you come up? And my son Diego's 15 years old. And uh, he recently, last year, he had knee surgery because he tore some meniscus in his knee. So he had surgery, and he took the year to really, really get ready for football season. And, and, and so this is his sophomore year. Say hi, Diego. There he goes. He said hi. So he worked out hard every day. He tried to gain weight, but he's still super skinny. At least he tried. And then the first week of the season was coming. And he waited all year, recuperated from his knee surgery. He's excited. And football season's coming. And the week before the first game, he hears a loud pop in his knee. Pop. And his knee swells up. The game's on Friday. 
So I've had seven knee surgeries and it broke my heart and I know what it is. It's torn meniscus. We went to the doctors. Doctors do a check on him. Yeah, you tore your knee. We need to get that fixed because it's locking and popping. It was like rerun. His knee was like locking and popping. <laughs> and, and every step hurt. We prayed for him. My mom prayed for him. Pastor Miles prayed for him. We, we, we were all praying for him. And we were trusting God for a miracle. We're like, Lord, you can touch his knee. You can touch his knee. And we prayed and we prayed. Pastor Micah prayed. And we prayed for him. We were begging the Lord to answer the prayer, even though the surgery was scheduled. And one night as we were praying for him, we laid hands on his knees. And as we pray for him, his knee starts convulsing. And his knee starts shaking. And his knee starts burning. And we prayed for him more and more for about 30, 45 minutes. And after that prayer, right after that prayer, he could walk pain-free. Amen. Amen. Took him back to the doctor's. Doctor says, he's running, he's jumping, he's doing all this stuff. We don't need to operate. We're good. He ended up having a great sophomore season. He had a great year in football. His team finished number one in CIF in their division. And the Lord really blessed them. And answered his prayer. How you feel, son? You good? You feel good for sure? How do I know? How do I know you feel good? What's the deal? You feel good? All right, all right. Get out of here. Show off. Go sit down. Look, God is alive. God wants to answer prayer. Join me, and we're going to pray for something right now. We're going to pray for Pastor Miles' mom, Margaret. Margaret is having hip surgery on Tuesday. We're going to come before the Lord and ask the Lord that he would touch her. Would you guys join me in that? And as you're praying, you know what? I want you to also lift up the Lord something in your mind that you need help for. Maybe a miracle, maybe a breakthrough, or maybe something special. So I'm going to ask everybody that can, just, just hold hands in the spirit of unity, guys. If it's somebody next to you, you don't know, it's okay. Amen. Join me as we pray. Lord, I, I thank you that you are a God that's real, Lord. I thank you are a God that answers prayers, Lord. I thank you for healing my son, Diego. Thank you for touching his knee, Lord. Lord, I want to pray for all the requests out there, Lord, all the pains and breakthroughs, Lord, that, that are out there, Lord. Just ask that you would do a miracle, Lord, in the congregation today, Lord. Lord, I also want to pray, Lord Jesus, for, for, for Miles' mom, Lord. Pray that you would touch her hip, Lord, that you would guide the doctors, Lord, that you would heal it, Lord, and that she would be better than ever, Lord. So we thank you for Margaret, Lord Jesus. We thank you for Pastor Miles, Lord. I want to pray for everybody holding hands too, Lord Jesus. That you would hear their prayer, Lord. That they would trust you and honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. So let's be praying for Margaret. So, so the story goes, God tells them, look, go around, march around this place six days. And on the seventh day, you're going to do something different. On the seventh day, you're going to march around seven times. What kind of plan is this? Well, sometimes God's plans don't look like your plans. Sometimes his plans don't look like your plans. And you want to defeat your enemy this way. And your logic tells you this. And God says, just trust me. So he said, all right, we're going to march around, march around the city. How are we going to destroy the city? March around, march around. And the seventh day, let's take a look at what happens. If you want to join me in Joshua verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 20, says this. 
When the trumpet sounded, the people shouted. And the sound of the trumpet, when the, uh, when the people gave a loud shout, all the walls collapsed so that every man charged straight in and took the city. So on the seventh time, day, they marched around seven times. They blew the trumpet. The people screamed. They praised God. And the walls collapsed. What are the walls in your life that need to be collapsed? What are the victories that God needs to do in your life? Here's the last point as we close up. There is power in praise. Everybody say there's power in praise. There's power in praise. Something happens when we praise the Lord. Can I hear amen? It sounds, don't sounds bring back memories. Just sound themselves. Look, this is how powerful sound is. God spoke and the world came into existence. Right? When I hear sounds, memories, and feelings come, what about this sound right here? What comes to your mind when you hear this sound? I personally don't like it, but what comes to your mind when you hear this sound right here? I start, I start panicking. What about this sound right here? I like this sound with my family. You all want popcorn right now, huh? And a Slurpee. I should have sold you some Slurpees right now. All right, this one, seriously, I didn't take a bath for a year after hearing this sound because you never know what's in the bathtub. I'm serious. I, I, I took showers for a year because sharks don't hang out in the showers. All right, this one is still relevant today as it was. All right, this one got me in trouble and I wasted a lot of quarters. This one is still relevant here. Mario had a little flavor though. He's got a little. This is for you old folks right here. Yeah, I remember that. With your short OP shorts, your swatch watches. Come on. And some vans. Don't act like you didn't. This is for you older people. Let me hear it. All right, now this one's is special to me. Roller skating rink, 1985, with my dance crew, just in case the battle broke out, yeah! My name was Auto Rock back in the day. Right? I know you guys know the words. Don't act like you don't know it. So just let, let it happen when it happens. Come on, don't be shy. I see you, Lisa. I see you. Come on, girl. All right, all right, all right. So music has power. Sounds have power. But what about the power of worshiping God? If we can get that excited about little sounds, what about the sound of voices lifting up, praising the Lord? Can we get excited about that? We'll get, we're going to give a chance. Um, we're going we're gonna to close up tonight, today, a little bit differently. We're going to close up with a worship song. So this is going to be a little bit different, some participation we're going to do. And we're going to close up with the worship song. But I'm going to challenge you guys to do this. First of all, to stand up, please. Next, I'm going to challenge you guys. The song's called, Oh, Come to the Altar. You don't need to come to the altar, but it's going to be an encouragement. 
Come to the altar. Come, let's lift up our hands. Let's hear our voices together worshiping the Lord. And as we do this, I just encourage you guys to take that step of faith. And maybe that step of faith represents a breakthrough that you need in your life. Maybe coming to the altar represents some power you need in life. But I challenge you, get out of your comfort zone and join us here as we, as we close up with, with, the, with the lovely worship song, Oh, Come to the Altar. This is my daughter, Macy, by the way. She's married to Jesus. Don't get any ideas. <laughs> Are you hurting, broken thing? Overwhelmed by weight of sin, Jesus is calling. Come to the end of self. Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Behind your regrets and mistakes Come today, there's no reason to wait Jesus is calling Bring your sorrows and train them for joy From the ashes, a new life is born Jesus is calling Oh, come to the altar Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, what a Savior! Isn't He wonderful? Sing hallelujah! Christ is risen. Bow down before Him.
So many stories of people coming to the altar, marriages restored, deliverance from pain, depression, anxiety, fear, illness. We do this every Sunday. What an opportunity as people come forward, right, and then we clap them into that altar call room, rejoicing at the work that Christ has done. As our pastoral staff come forward, at the close of the service, you come for prayer. You just want to connect. You just want to talk with somebody. Stories, so many stories. We want to highlight this morning the opportunity from a gal who has been in the trenches with our altar call ministry. Her name is Joyce Ortiz. Would you welcome her? Joyce has been on the front lines. She's been serving diligently. This gal sees so much action. She's in there with so many pains, so many hurts, but Jesus is the one that can redeem and restore. So Joyce, share with us. Thanks, Pastor Jason. I was so glad to hear the message from Pastor Marcus today on prayer and, and worship because prayer is so powerful and we get to use that weapon of prayer every Sunday in the altar call room. When people come forward, you see it every single week, whether it's five or a hundred people that come forward. We really don't know what's in their hearts, but we get to take them in that room back there and we listen to them. We get to encourage them and pray for them and give them a next step in their faith. So we tell people about life class and life groups so they can grow in Christ and grow with one another. I wanted to tell you a quick little story about a young woman I got to pray for. She's about 22 years old. She was living here in the St. Vincent de Paul uh, shelter with her one-year-old baby girl because she was fleeing a domestic violence situation. So the shelter was safer than her home. So you would think that she could say, hey, where's God in this? You know, why is God punishing me? Why did God do this to me? Well, someone told her about the Rock Church while she was at the shelter. And she came here, and I got to meet with her. So she told me her story, and I said, let's pray. Let's pray for God to do something big in your life, something better, bigger and better than you could do or I could do or I could give you. Let's give this over to God. So we prayed, and each week after that, she would come, and she would bring people from the shelter to church every single week, telling them what a great time she had at the Rock Church. So about six weeks after she came, I saw her in the lobby on a Wednesday night, and she ran up to me, and she said, you'll never guess what happened. 
I followed through with the resources that you gave me. And one of the resources, I had a case manager, and she was able to get me approved for a new apartment with one year free rent for me and my baby girl so we could be safe and have a fresh start. If that's not God, I don't know what is God. That's the power of prayer. That's the power of our God. And we get to be a part of that every week here at the front of stage and in the altar call room. We see miracles like that every week because truly it's God doing it. It's not us. We're saying, here, God, these are your people. These are the needs of your people. Will you meet them? Prayer is this powerful that even in James 5, 16, it says, the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. And we use that weapon. We use that tool every single week. So if you feel called to altar call, we'd love to have you. We have a booth out there in the lobby. Join us. We'd like to talk with you and meet with you and tell you truly how easy it is to serve in this ministry. God, would you do it? That's what we do every week. God, would you do it? And if altar call is not the place for you, There's over 150 ministries you can serve in this church. So get plugged in. Take the life class. Find out where God would have you to serve. Where does your heart break? Serve there. That's what Pastor Miles said nine years ago when I started an altar call. Where does your heart break? Serve in that place. Get into a life group. Grow with one another. God didn't bless us and deliver us and heal us from addictions and, and, and sadness and depression. He didn't bless us for us to keep it to ourselves. Somebody needs to hear how God has blessed us. And so I pray that you will pray about how the Lord can use you. Right on. Give her a hand. Visit Joyce. Join her in the altar call room. If you want to be part of that ministry, she'll be in the lobby. Again, reflections, stories of what God does in people's lives. And and your giving is a overflow. It's a reflection of people coming forward and them getting the help and the support that they need. So I would encourage you to give today and to give generously. There's three ways to give. You can give online, sdrock.com. You can text to give. And you can also give with this envelope that was in your bulletin on the way out. You can place it in the um, boxes on your way out, okay? Um, Did you guys enjoy Dominique Bali this morning? That dude's got some pipes. He'll be in the lobby outside. You can get some resources, pick up a CD. Again, the altar is open. You want prayer, support, you come. Good Sunday to you. God bless you.
Sometimes I 